Are you ready for the word tonight? All right, I'm going to go off topic for just a second because of what um, Pastor Michael started exhorting us in tonight. And many of you have heard Pastor Kathy Thomas or know who she is, and she has just been exhorting us for 2014 that there's just some things that we need to go to a different level in, and one of them is worship, that we need to go to just this deeper level. God's calling us to a deeper level in worship. And Pastor Michael was encouraging us to just enter in, maybe do something we've never done before. And I just want to just throw this out there because some people get a little... Uh, agitated when it comes to displays of worship or or shows of worship from their themselves, whether it's raising their hands or shouting or different things, you just feel a little. Maybe that's not my personality. Maybe that's not my cup of tea. And um, let me just exhort you: number one, maybe try it at home first. <laughs> if you're going to go outside of your comfort zone in worship, if you've never raised your hands and you're going to raise your hands, if you've never shouted and you're going to maybe try it at home, get a little used to hearing yourself do that, seeing yourself do that, feeling yourself do that, you won't feel as uncomfortable in it. But let me tell you that uh, dancing is not hype. Shouting is not hype. Every act of worship you do through your flesh is flesh. Sorry, folks. Whether it's with your mouth or singing or raising your hands or whatever it is, it's all flesh. Why? Because it's got to come through the flesh, every bit of it. So if dancing is flesh, well, then so is singing because every bit of it's going to come through the flesh. Are you with me? It's God touching your heart and you expressing it through your flesh. So you can stop thinking of it as maybe hyper emotionalism or whatever those kind of constraints in your mind are about dancing and shouting and raising your hands and different things. And maybe just look at them all as expressions, God touching your heart and you expressing it through the flesh. Amen. So we're going to go to a deeper place in worship this year, right? Amen. So last week, we talked about what? Anybody remember? Yep, we made a whip last week, didn't we? (laughs) And if you, who wasn't here? Raise your hand. Okay, we'll explain. I will explain. You're like, do tell. (laughs) Well, we started out in Kings, and we talked about Elijah. And in in 1 Kings 17, how the word of the Lord would come and he would obey the word. And then there was an intervention of the power of God, which was his miracle. And he had an impossible situation and, and the word of the Lord came and he obeyed the word and there was an intervention of the power of God. And we, we talked about all those different things. And then you get into 2 Kings 18. And the word of the Lord comes. You know, I'm going to, if you present yourself to Ahab, I'm going to send the rain. And so he goes and he presents himself to Ahab and there's no rain. The word of the Lord does not come to pass. It's the same pattern. There's a situation. The word of the Lord comes. There's obedience to the word. And yet there was no intervention of the power of God. And we saw in between how there was a mighty outpouring and display of the fire of God. Something that God never even said would happen, happened. The fire comes down on the sacrifice, right? And we talked about how he did not have to contend for the fire. He didn't have to contend for that thing that God never promised, that he never even said. Have you ever been blessed with something you never even asked for? When we were uh, in Tulsa, I had already gone through Rama. Michael was going through it. I worked for some traveling ministers there, and I had a girl that worked with me, and her name was Heather Veter. And she, Heather came into work one day with a guitar, and she said, the Lord told me to give this to you. Have you been praying for guitar? And I was like, no. <laughs> 
She goes, are you sure? Because I was really, really sure that God told me to give you this guitar. And it was a really nice guitar. It was a Martin, wasn't it? Or something like that. Really nice guitar. And I said, well, no, but it's really nice. So thank you. (laughs) And I took it home to Michael, who was not believing for a guitar. We had not asked for one. We had not prayed for one. It wasn't even on our radar. But that was in 1997. And it was, what, 2002, 2003, when Michael picked it up for the first time to even learn to play. Yeah, it was years down. I mean, we had kids already. Right? 2000, somewhere in there. So anyway, it sat for years. (laughs) It sat for quite a few years, right, before... Anyone even picked it up to even learn to play. And then Michael kind of taught himself how to play it, and the rest is history. But you know what? We never contended for that. We never even asked for that. But God saw down the road and saw that we were eventually going to need that guitar. And by we, I mean he would eventually need that guitar, and he made sure that we had it before we even need it. Do you ever have any of those where he saw down the road, he gave you something you didn't even know you were, you didn't even ask for it? The word of God didn't even say it, but you got it anyway. Well, this is not what happened with Elijah. That's what happened with the fire. But God said it was going to rain, and it did not rain. And we ended with he was up on that mountain, and he was praying for rain. He had his head between his knees. He was sucking carpet. He was on his face praying for rain, and he'd send his servant to look and see if there was any manifestation. He came back, no, go look again. No, go look again. There's nothing. I'm telling you, there's nothing. Seven times until they finally saw a teeny tiny little cloud in the sky. And then the rain came. He had to contend for that word to come to pass. And then we talked about how Jesus saw some things in the temple that weren't supposed to be there in John chapter 2. And the Bible says that he sat down and made a whip. He made it with his own hands, meditated, premeditated. It was premeditated whipping. He really did think about this ahead of time. He had to gather the materials. He had to know what he was doing. He made a whip to drive out of that temple what did not belong, right? And he wasn't real sweet about it, was he? He didn't go up to him and say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, you're going to have to go now. Thank you. No, he took that whip and he drove that cattle out and he, he turned the tables over and he was righteously angry and he was whipping out of the temple what didn't belong there. And we said that Ephesians 6 says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And that's what we're supposed to take. And our words are to be our whip. And his words, the scriptures about the miracle that we need, are to be what we form to whip and to drive those things out of our lives that don't belong there. Did anybody make a whip this week? Anybody? Anybody here last week? Anybody? You made a whip. And now we're going to talk tonight about contending part two. We're going to talk about contending. And contending just means to assert something as in a position of an argument. That means you're standing toe-to-toe with somebody. You're disagreeing and you're saying, I'm right, you're wrong, you have to leave. Okay? And so we have who has something in their life that looks the opposite of the word of God and you want it gone. 
okay? We're going to look at that tonight. We're standing toe-to-toe with these things that don't belong in our lives, whether it's sickness or debt or depression or oppression or whatever it is that looks the opposite of the promise that you want gone out of your life. How do you get it gone? And we said last week there were four key ingredients to a miracle. And a miracle is anything that needs the intervention of the power of God to change. When you need a miracle, you need, it's not going to change without an intervention of the power of God. So you have your impossible situation, a word from the Lord comes, you have obedience to the word, and then you have the intervention of the power of God. And God gives us his word to hang on to so that when everything looks the opposite, we still have something to say. And so what we have to get out of the habit of doing is saying what we see. And we need to get into the habit of saying what we see. Not see here, but see in your heart. And we heard a minister say one time, if you don't see it before you see it, you're never, ever going to see it. You got to see it here as belonging to you. We're going to look at these tonight. And so we're going to talk about what you do when you use your whip and it doesn't look like anything's happening. Okay? We're going to talk about all these things tonight. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about trust. We're going to talk about don't stop. And so if you go to Genesis 17.5, we're going to look at Abraham. And I think this was really strategic of God because God has intended all along that we use our words, right? Our words are our weapon. He says to Abraham, your name shall no longer be Abram, but Abraham, the father of multitudes. For I have made you the father of many nations. And so God changed his name to Abraham. So you know what that means? That means that every time he introduced himself to somebody, he says, hi, I'm Abraham. And every time somebody called him, they'd say, Abraham. And every time Sarah needed him, she'd say, Abraham. And so every time he talked about himself, every time he introduced himself, every time someone talked to him, they were confessing the word over him that he was the father of many nations. Which in the natural, that was not fact. But in the spirit, that was truth, and he could see it. He had a hold of it. And every time he said it, it got a little stronger. That faith got a little stronger. Hey, I'm Abraham. I am Abraham. I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. And he got stronger and stronger and more confident and more confident and more confident in that word from the Lord. Did it stop him from calling himself Abraham when Sarah didn't get pregnant month after month? No. It didn't stop him. He didn't see any change in the natural, and yet he kept calling himself Abraham. He could have gone back to his old name anytime he chose, but he didn't. He stuck with the word of the Lord, and he contended for that word of the Lord until faith became sight. And I think it's very interesting what God said here. He said, I have made you the father of many nations. He didn't say, I'm going to. He didn't say in a couple years, Sarah's going to have a baby, and then you're going to start your journey to be the father of many nations. He said, I have made you, which means in God's eyes, it was already a done deal. It was already a done deal. I, I love that. God speaks over our lives according to the promises in the past tense. He has made you the righteousness of God. He has 
healed you. It's already a done deal. Can we let that sink in for a second? (laughs) The answer to your prayer, your miracle in the spirit realm is already a done deal. Does anybody want to shout for a second? (laughs) You may. You're allowed. Go ahead. Are you excited about it? All right, tell your face you're excited about it. (laughs) It's okay to be excited about it. I know, you're listening. We're taking it in. Amen. Go to Hebrews 11.1. God needs something to work with, right? And um, I, I, I have been studying and studying and reviewing and reviewing the miracles of God lately. All these miracles, Old Testament, New Testament, the miracles. And I've been, I've been kind of writing about them in my blog, and I get so encouraged every morning, and it's just so exciting. God can take nothing and turn it into something as long as he has faith, right? And this is what faith is. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, Reality means it is very real. It is presently a done deal. Just like he said, I have made you. It's perceiving as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. Just because it's not yet revealed to the senses does not mean it's not a reality. I want you to keep that in your mind because your feelings are going to lie to you. Your feelings are going to lie to you. Your emotions are going to lie to you. Situations, different things are going to lie to you when you hold it up against the word of God, which is truth. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go with what you see or are you going to go with what you know? Habit is what we see. It takes time to break a habit, but we're going to break it, right? And we're going to go with what we know. So God needs something to work with. And what he uses is our words. It's how he formed the world. It's how he upholds the world. was with his words. He took nothing from something with his words. And he has ordained it to be for us that our words create life. And they create his plan in our life. And it's our words that pull the miracles down from heaven to earth. So what are we saying? We're going to take a check of what we're saying and contend for what the word says. Let's go to Luke 11. We're going to start in verse 5. It says, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and will say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine who is on a journey has just come, and I have nothing to put before him. And he will from within answer, do not disturb me. The door is now closed and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and supply you with anything. I tell you, although he will not get up and supply him with anything because he is his friend, yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be open to you. 
For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. He who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be opened. Contending. It's not just saying it one day and going, well, I guess nothing changed. That must not be for me. It's like a dog with a bone not giving up until it's totally reality in this realm, until earth matches heaven. Remember? Even in our declaration on sent, your will be done as it is in heaven. We are not going to stop until we see it. We're not going to stop until we see it, but people do. And we give up, and we give up so easily, and we give up too soon. Why? Because we don't see change. That would be the number one reason. Because we get discouraged that we don't see anything changing. We think, well, what use is it? What good is this speaking doing? Nothing is changing. But I want to tell you tonight, there are two realms. There's the heavenly realm where God is. And there's the earthly realm where we are. And his plan is that earth match heaven. But there's an adversary who's trying to keep that from coming to pass. And that's what you contend for, the word of the Lord. You don't let him discourage you. You don't let him trip you up and try to get you to quit. There's two realms. And I I was... um, It became so clear to me one day when I was, the kids were little, and one of my sons needed correction. I, however, was cooking dinner. I was making pork chops. And so the way that I was making the pork chops is you have to brown them. You kind of saute them in the butter and the oil and the onion, and then you flip it over, and then you stick it all in the the oven, and it's kind of got to be done quick. And so he comes in needing correction, so I make him sit down. I say, you have to wait. You have to wait for me to finish this, which is harder for them because then they're thinking about it, man. <laughs> Whoa, are they thinking about what is, what is going to happen to me now? But he had to wait. And so I was, I was a little discouraged at the time that I was having to wait for some things that I was believing for. Lord, when is this going to happen? Am I doing something wrong? What do I need to change? Lord, what is it? What is it? What is it? Why, why, why? Why am I waiting? Why am I not seeing it? And um, Mitchell, or one of my sons, he was sitting there. Oh, poor. I try to keep them anonymous, but it doesn't always work. Mitchell was sitting there, and uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he goes, does Mitchell having to wait have anything to do with Mitchell? And I said, well, no, it has everything to do with me. And he said, neither is your having to wait have anything to do with you, because I am working it out in the realm that you can't see, and you just have to trust me. And so we're down here so focused on what we can see and that it's not changing. And God's up in heaven trying to get our attention up on him so that we don't get discouraged, okay? Now, that's why he's given us the promises. That's why he's given us the word. And this is how you contend. You get your whip. You make your whip, you get your scriptures, and you don't let go of them until faith is made sight. 
Now, what does that mean? That means if you need healing, then you're going through the word, pulling out the scriptures on healing. And anytime you start to doubt, anytime you start to get discouraged, anytime you start to get down, you say, nope, this is what the word says. And you take your eyes off of what's going on here and you put your eyes on the word. You're contending for that word until faith is made sight. And that's what you're looking at. And that's what you're thinking about. You can only think about one thing at a time. Right? Have you ever tried to think about more than one thing at a time? You just can't do it. Okay, I'll give you an example. I want you to start, when I say start, counting to 20 in your mind. And then when I say go, I want you to say praise the Lord. Okay? Ready? Start counting now. In your minds. <laughs> go. Now what happened to your count? Because you can only think about one thing at a time. And that's why God's given us his word. So that we have something to focus on. So what do you do? What do you do if you're using your whip and you're still not seeing it happen? You focus on the word. You focus on the word. That's the cool thing. There's a whole lot of stuff that you don't have control over. But you have 100% control over what happens up here. And it's a muscle just like any other muscle in your body. And if you haven't used it for a while or taken control of it for a while, it's going to be hard work. You might even get a little sweaty doing it. <laughs> might have a nice little workout up here but pretty soon it'll become a habit he's given us his word to focus on until faith is made sight and so I just want to encourage you don't let it go and we've talked about this over and over and over and it's just the most perfect example in Joshua chapter 6 when they're marching around that wall God gave them Specific instructions to march around the wall. One time a day for six days, and then seven times on the seventh day, and then they were supposed to shout. That was the specific instruction. But you know what the cool thing is? Is that if you read that chapter in its entirety, you'll see that when Joshua went to tell the military leaders about the plan, he didn't give them the time frame. He just told them about the marching. He said, we're to march. That's what we're supposed to do. Not supposed to talk, not supposed to do anything else. We're going to march. So they followed Joshua's lead. They had no idea how long they were to march. And we have no idea sometimes how long we're going to have to wait till faith is made sight. That is completely outside of our control. But what would have happened if they would have given up on the first day when they didn't even see a brick fall out of place? On the second day when there was no dust even coming off the wall to make it look like it was going to change. And I always thought it would be cool if it was like Tetris, you know. And when you fill up the line, has anyone ever played Tetris? You, all these different shapes come down and you have so many shapes that fit in a line. And once a line is, is filled up, it disappears and you get points. And so the more lines you can disappear. You know, how cool would it be if on the first day they walked around it and the whole first layer of bricks just went kapush. Wouldn't that have encouraged their faith? <laughs> and the second day, if two lines went, you know, and the wall's coming down, the wall's coming down. No, there was not even an inkling of change. Not the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day. Not even the seventh day on the seventh lap. 
There was no change. And there's times in our lives when we are believing for something and we are contending for something and we are speaking it and we are thinking it and we're using all of our might and our strength towards that. And we're not seeing any change and we give up right before the shout. What would have happened if they gave up right before the shout? Well, guess God didn't mean it for me. Guess that really wasn't a word for me. No, every promise in his word is yes and amen for you. And you don't let past experience control what you believe. Or somebody else's experience control what you believe. So what if so-and-so didn't get healed? We don't understand. But it's not going to change the fact that I know that God's word promises me healing. And I am not going to let it go until I see it in my life. And I'll close with this example. I have friends who are pastors over in Australia. They run a Bible school, and they're pastors over there. And uh, they had a guy in their church that had, you know, the real thick bottle, Coke bottle glasses, real bad prescription, real, real bad eye problems, and he really wanted healing in his eyes. And so he just started saying, I see 2020. I'm believing for healing. Father, I thank you for my healing. I thank you that my eyes are 2020. For a long time, every time he'd see Pastor Tony, he'd say, I, my eyes are 20-20. He'd have his glasses on. He didn't just throw them away. <laughs> Faith is not dumb. <laughs> Faith does not deny reality. Faith does not deny the facts that are going on. But faith always has a big butt. <laughs> this is one instance that you want to have a big butt. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but my God delivered me out of them all. So faith doesn't deny what's going on. Faith faces what's going on. David didn't deny that there was a giant there. David went at that giant with his mouth open, right? So faith isn't, isn't denying. He didn't just throw his glasses away and say, I guess I I'm not, I guess my eyes are 20 20 now. But he confessed that over himself over and over and over, and he contended for that word, and he didn't let it go like a dog with a bone. And he said one day he was sitting in church, and he's looking at the screen and looking at the preacher, and all of a sudden everything went blurry. And he took his glasses off, and he could see 2020. And that's exactly what God wants to do for us when we don't let it go. Amen? Amen. There, we'll just end there. <laughs> There'll be another time for that. We need to do a prayer school or something. But um, I just want to encourage you, don't let go. Don't stop. You know why? Because your miracle, your answer to prayer is closer than you think. He is working it out for you. He's looking for your trust. He told me one time, I don't really need your help. <laughs> you ever try to help God? <laughs> Here, let me figure out how it needs to be done, and if you could just do it in this box, it'll all be amazing. He said, I don't really need your help, but what I really need is your trust. And faith without works is? So what are we going to make? A whip with our words, right? Your words are a work, man, that show your faith. And your mind is going to be fighting you the whole time. That's okay. Let it fight because the word 
is truth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, and I pray that in my totally incompetent way, Father, I I did my best with what you've given me, and now I pray that you would break it apart like manna and break it to each heart, Father, cause it to come alive, cause it to light a fire on the inside of them, to not let go until they see their miracle, Father. And I pray for those that are looking for the scriptures to stand on, that are just starting in this, Father, that you would cause a word to come alive on the inside of them. Father, we thank you that you are with us. And that as we walk out of here tonight, that we take your presence, we take your anointing, we take your word with us. And I pray that, Father, there'll be a blessing with your anointing to everyone they come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.